Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Bigfoot Learning Podcast. The podcast that does not focus on the fictional creature of Bigfoot, but uses the term Bigfoot in regards to viewing learning all throughout our lives, especially from those people who have stepped into our lives, leaving lessons left on our minds. I am your host, Monica Toos. Today's guest is Mike Lee. Mike is a peak performance speaker, performance coach, and founder of MindShift Labs. Mike works with individuals to unlock the resilient leader within and drive breakthrough performance, ultimately to change people's lives. Now for the episode itself. Thank you, Mike, for joining in on today's episode of Bigfoot Learning. And to kind of start off, wanted to check in a little bit about your background and your learning journey so far in life. And I know for part of it, you start off a lot focused with basketball, whether it's playing, coaching, and consulting and such out more in Wisconsin and then you going now to where you are in life with a variety of roles that you hold with being a founder of MindShift Labs, being a peak performance speaker and a performance coach, just to name a few along with many other titles that you hold and have moved around to more of the West Coast, and what has your learning journey looked like in life so far? Well, I think it's a continual process. I think we're, we're always learning. If we're, not, if we're not learning, we're not growing. If we're not growing, we're, we're stagnant, and that's when life gets dull. And I think uh, progress equals happiness. Learning equals happiness. It's not necessarily the end results and, and the building a huge business or the championships or getting that job or whatever it is. It's actually the learning process within that is where we, we find that fulfillment. And so, yeah, I mean, my, I, as you kind of mentioned, I, I started everything out of my college apartment, building a, a basketball training company working with thousands of middle school through NBA basketball players, training them on the the fundamentals of basketball. And that went through a period of of pretty major adversity in my life, getting off of a antidepressant medication. And during that period, I uh, picked up a a mindfulness practice and that kind of shifted everything for me. I dove deep into mindfulness, into yoga, into meditation, into all different types of spiritual practices. And I kind of realized how the meditative practices enhanced all of the sports performance psychology principles you were teaching on the basketball court. And that kind of shifted into what I'm doing now uh, more with MindShift Labs. Cool. It's it's interesting how with mindfulness that can it adds like another layer and kind of enhances how we're going about life and for 
I feel like for in some cases, when people hear, hear the word mindfulness, they may think of one thing or another or hear of different myths, for lack of a better term, that they may necessarily misconstrue a time or may not fully understand what mindfulness all encompasses. And so would you be able to touch on what mindfulness is a little bit more? Yeah. So since March of 2020, mindfulness is everywhere, right? It was, it was growing in popularity, uh, I think in direct proportion to the stress that we're experiencing as a, as a, as a world really, but it all got accelerated with COVID, with everything that happened, with the social isolation, the work, uh, remote first work environment, social justice movement, all the chaos and uncertainty that was surrounding us and still is. And mindfulness became more prevalent because it, is a, it has been proven in scientific studies to be a tool to help uh, reduce stress, improve focus, improve our resilience, all things that we needed as we are personally navigating through adversity. And, and if you're in a leadership position, leading your, your team or your company or your organization through this chaos and uncertainty that is around us. And what mindfulness really is when you break it down is it is the skill. Mindfulness is a skill or an ability to create the awareness of our thoughts, our feelings, or our actions in the present moment. And a big piece of that is having the non-judgmental awareness of our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions in the present moment. And meditation, which is, is lots of times used uh, interchangeably with mindfulness, is really an exercise to train that higher level of awareness. It's nothing more than training for your brain, just like an athlete or, or somebody would go on a strength training program, right? They're they're training their, their body in a, a specific way to get a specific result. And that's the same thing when somebody picks up a, a meditation practice, you are literally training your brain and creating certain changes, just like you would create changes in your body. And so some of those changes are number one, your, there's an area in the front of your brain that's responsible for your executive function. That's called your neocortex, right? That area is responsible for your self-awareness, your decision-making, um, a lot of your self, I say self-awareness already, your focus, your self-awareness, your decision-making. Those three things are all associated with your neocortex. That area actually can, can grow and get a little bit bigger uh, when they run studies and they, they scan your brain in an fMRI scan. There's an area at the base of your brain called the amygdala, which is responsible for your fight, flight, or freeze response. And that area uh, actually shrinks, making you less reactive to stress. And when we're less reactive to stress, we are more present in the moment focused on the task at hand. We're not so easily pulled out of the moment uh, by all the distractions and chaos and disruption that is constantly surrounding us. So those are two, two practical uh, or several practical ways, but two areas of your brain that get changed and, and you can see real uh, world results and applications from having a mindfulness practice. Thank you for sharing that. It 
while you were breaking mindfulness down into the different aspects of it and what really makes up mindfulness, it got me kind of thinking a little bit about viewing mindfulness kind of as a intangible skill. And we see many times with tangible skills, whether it's working, doing a physical workout or doing a skill that you can visibly see and track that there you can see that improvement sometimes a little easier and compared to intangible skills with mindfulness and other mental skills as well. And with there, sometimes not being able to see those results right away that we may be trying to get through mindfulness, there can be some resistance that pops up. And do you have any tips or suggestions for anyone out there that has been interested in doing a mindfulness activity, whether it's meditation, yoga, or any of even just purely living their life mindfully and taking in each moment, what would you recommend to them to work against any resistance that pops up? Yeah, good question. I mean, the resistance is huge, right? I think that's, that's awesome that you brought that up. Um, I, I think the, the first thing is, and, and this applies to any change you want to create in your life, is you have to understand your why first. You have to understand your purpose first. Why do I want to be more mindful? Why do I want to pick up a meditation practice? Why do I want to do yoga? What is the end result that, that I'm hoping to achieve from committing to a specific practice, whether it's, it's any of those things, right? That's number one. Uh, number two is I would commit to it for a certain period of time with zero expectations. So fully commit and completely detach from the, uh, from the results. Cause at the end of the day, the results we don't control, right? We only, we only control the work. We control the process. We control the, the, the focus on the, what is going to possibly bring that uh, outcome to life. And so whether that's adopting, a, a, I'm going to meditate 10 minutes a day for the next 30 days. I'm going to take a yoga class five days a week, Monday through Friday for the next 30 days, whatever it is, commit to it and, and fully detach at the same time. Uh, the third thing is kind of in alignment with what, uh, you asked around resistance and that is know that the resistance is going to show up and, and have operate with the awareness that it is going to show up and enter this, this time period, this 30 days with the expectation that it's going to be there. Lots of times it's, it's the, you know, the resistance of the resistance, right? The resistance of the monkey mind, the chatter, the inability to sit still, whatever it is, the, uh, the expectation of a certain result that creates more of that resistance. And then it's just a cycle. And when we can go into it, expecting it, uh, it actually gets a little bit easier. I, th I read a quote, I think I was maybe just out of college or maybe even in college. It said something along the lines of when you understand that life is hard, life gets easier. And so really just being in that, in that place of acceptance is really key. 
So I think those three things, number one, uh, understand your why. What's my purpose? Why do I want to pick up the practice? Number two, commit to it for 30 days without any expectations. And the third thing is operate with that awareness that the resistance will show up and it's going to be there, but you can still move through it despite the fact that it's there. Wow, that's some powerful stuff right there that you just dropped there. And yeah, that I think, especially with that last one you mentioned with the bringing in self-acceptance and seeing how how powerful that can come into play of being able to, I know earlier you mentioned with mindfulness about the aspect of self-awareness and then I kind of hearing everything you've said kind of see like self-acceptance as that next step after self-awareness and I uh, and with there then kind of how you move forward and accept like whatever whatever that result is whether it's what we would like or and kind of just taking that process no matter what it looks like yeah I think you know we live in this this culture this world that has conditioned us to believe that there's freedom in control there's you know, we have to be in control of everything in order to be happy. We have to control everything in order to be safe. We have to control everything in order for us to find fulfillment, right? And the truth is that the true freedom lies in being fully detached from everything. The true freedom lies in being able to flow with whatever life throws at you. And that doesn't mean that you don't have preferences. Like I would prefer that the meeting starts on time. I would prefer that that client signs a contract. I would prefer that I play 30 minutes in the game versus five. But that doesn't mean that we have to be attached to those results in order to feel a certain way. Detachment is key. I like that. Yeah, it's. Um, and yeah, definitely resonate with what you shared about that control aspect and seeing kind of pretty much embracing what we do have true control of in life, which is just ourselves and then accepting going forward, detaching and not letting those external factors without with that are outside of our control move us, especially our thoughts more. And yeah, just go, go with that flow and embrace those waves of life. Yeah. I think one of the the challenges too, is like, we'll go through these periods of life where we feel like we are in control, where all the decisions that I make, maybe not all the decisions, but a lot of them turn out the way that I wanted to. Right. I was an all conference player. I was an all state player. I got the college scholarship. I built this business, whatever it is. And things really seem to be in flow. And then life hits. Life mm-hmm. happens. You get hit with some adversity and you're in so such resistance to it 
uh, that it makes it a lot harder to, to move through it because you're, you're, you can't let go of that illusion of control because what it is is really an illusion, mm-hmm. right? We can do, we can do, we can focus on the process. We can have the perfect strategy. We can do all the right things and it still might not work out. And so really having that, stepping into it with that humility, I think is, is key. Uh, during COVID, one of the things that I've said to myself over and over and over again is I know nothing. And I, I step into that truly believing that, that all possibilities exist in the present moment, right? If you look at uh, the, look at quantum physics and that, that area of science says that all possibilities exist at the same time, all possibilities exist simultaneously. I have no idea what's sitting in my inbox right now. What's going to, what phone call I might get, what text I might get, what I have no idea. And all the, all the possibilities could, could happen. They could all, they all exist in this present moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so being at that place of, of humility to what is going on in the world, uh, I think is also key. I mean, you look at the things that my great, 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 great grandparents did one decision that they made maybe to move their family from, from uh, like uh, answers from Europe, like uh, Czechoslovakia, uh, Ireland, like all over the place, right? Like the one decision to move your family could have compounding effect on my life. A decision that was made 700 years ago by somebody, Mm -hmm. right? That it's having like some crazy impact on my life today. And so I just think, you know, we, we think that we're in control of all this stuff, but the truth is we're born into these like multiple choice templates. If I wanted to go be an NBA basketball player right now, I can't do that. If I want to go, the, the, you know, there's certain things that I, I just cannot do right now. And uh, I think understanding that we're, we're born into these, these different templates, and then it's like this multiple choice journey that I'm going on. That's a pretty neat way of thinking about it. I I don't think I've ever kind of viewed it that way of multiple, like the template, but then also the multiple choice in the aspect of where you are in the present and that I said like before the power of detachment and many other things, but coming back to here, even applying that to here for the power within the present moment and how that, like you described, can have so much of an impact on our lives moving forward, even when we don't even know it or are too much aware of it until later on for how each present moment ends up adding up for us. Yeah, exactly. We have no idea, right? It's like you know, one one thing that I, I've realized is that our hard work might not pay off what, for what we're currently striving for, but it, it we have to trust that it will pay off for something down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Where I learned that is, you know, I I worked incredibly hard uh, to 
be a, a college basketball player. And then while I was in college, I worked incredibly hard. Was, my, my college coach said that if, if everybody worked as hard as you did, we'd win a national championship every single year. And so, but I never, I basically, I was in the rotation off and on the first couple of years. And then I basically just like never played. And I never came close to becoming the player that I thought that I was capable of becoming. But fast forward, uh, a few years later, I'm at the end of my end of college and I'm building this basketball training business. And the only reason that I was able to build this basketball training business was I had the ability to demonstrate. I could demonstrate the skills, the concepts, the moves that we were teaching. And I was able to get pretty high level players to buy into that kind of off the bat. Right. I think the first time I ever worked out, uh, an NBA guy, I was 27 years old. And so it, it, it gave me the ability that, that work that I put in a decade before gave me the ability to do something that I never even thought was possible, but stepping into that place of, and, and I wasn't in that place at the time, but I, I am learning to be in this place more is just trusting that the work will eventually pay off. And you, you, don't know. You're stepping into the unknown. You have, you don't know how it's going to pay off, but trust that at some point in your multiple choice template, this this script that is this playing out in your life, this movie that's playing out in your life, that at the to- right time and the place of those skills that you worked on to develop will be of value. They will become an asset, maybe for something that you never planned on. Yeah, and that the truth in that isn't easy to accept it because you're waiting for either what you want to happen or you don't know what how that payoff is going to be. So embracing waiting and being patient in the present moment as you're moving into that scary unknown of either what you think will happen or something that won't really come to fruition until later on. And you get to be surprised by it a little bit. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, there, there are certain things even from COVID that I'll, I will look back on and be, and be grateful that it, that it did happen. And, you know, if, if somebody said, hey, would you like a global pandemic to come in and shut down both your businesses? Uh, and do you think that's going to be a good thing? I would probably say no, but there are things that have come out of it that will be beneficial down the road. Right. So we just don't know. We just don't know. So true. So with. With there, we've touched on a fair amount on mindfulness and being in that present moment, detachment and self-acceptance, self-awareness and the power of all of those. And now we're going to, we start off focusing in on a little on the micro level of your learning journey and uh, broaden a focus out to mindfulness. And now we're going to 
narrow back in with a lens back on your life and some of those lessons that you have learned along the way and tying in the title of the podcast of Bigfoot learning in terms of not of a fictional creature of Bigfoot, but on those individuals who have stepped into our lives, leaving an impression of some kind of lesson from something they may have positively or negatively done. And then we took into our lives for their seeing, applying that aspect into reflecting on your own life. Who would you consider has been personal Bigfoots in your life of individuals you have met in person or built a relationship with and have taken away some core lessons in learning experiences from? There's a lot. There's a lot. I think the first would be my basketball coaches growing up. Uh, I had a, a mentor by the name of his name was Dave MacArthur. And he was a coach at a really small town in central Wisconsin, about 20 miles from where I grew up. And he used to work me out in the summers. He coached an AAU team that I put together. He um, used to take me out to eat and to other college and high school basketball games during the season to build a relationship with me, to, uh, to invest in me. And, you know, one of the things that, that he taught me is that if we want to, as a leader, if we want to challenge people to be at their best, you have to create connection and trust first. And lots of times as leaders, they go in and, and try to challenge people and demand more from them without uh, building a relationship first. And it, it almost always fails. And he, he just taught me that, that the power of, of that relationship, the power of caring, the power of leading from your heart, um, he, he would just, he got me to go harder and do things that I didn't think that I, I could do simply because he just cared so much about me and I would do anything for him. And that gave him the, the permission, right? That to challenge me in any way that he saw fit that was going to help me become the best player I was capable of becoming. And I think, you know, as, as leaders today in our world, like a big thing that people are, are looking for out of their organizations or companies, right. And even probably like there's, there's coaches that are uh, listening to this, maybe that are coaching a high school team, college team, something like that. Uh, People want belonging, right? They want that mm -hmm. the sense of connection. And there's different things that we can feel connected to. We can feel connected to our organization, right? Or our company or our high school or our college, or uh, we can also feel connected to our division, our team, whatever that is. But, but the real layer of connection comes down to uh, the people that we play with, we work with, we live with. And the people that, that are leading us, right? Our coaches, our bosses, our leaders, our managers. And when we can create that, create that trust, uh, that connection, we create the trust. That's what allows people, allows you to, to challenge people to be at their best. And I think at, the, at, at 
a fundamental level, we all want this, whether it's conscious or unconscious, we all want to be at our best. If you look at where you know, belonging comes from, uh, comes from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The first layer is our, our, our physical needs, our phys physiological needs, like our uh, shelter, water, things like that. And we want a, a sense of uh, love and belonging. That's the third layer. And at the top is a layer, uh, the, the top part of this, this pyramid, right, is self-actualization. We want to we want to maximize our human potential. We want to maximize our experience. And unless we, when we create connection, when we create trust, when we create belonging, that allows us to challenge people more to be at their best. I always say compassion isn't about being soft. Compassion actually allows you to challenge people to be at their best. And so if, if we want to reach that level, that level of self-actualization with uh, the people that we're leading, the people that we're coaching, even that's maybe just leading your family, right? That trust and connection has to come first. Wow. I love that. That's sounds like from your basketball coach, you able to model and teach some of those emotional intelligence areas that help foster con building connections with others and building that rapport, like you said, to challenge them, help them become who they want to be, help them be better selves than they may be at the moment and keep being able to, even with their bring in accountability and moving forward with their, so thank you. And then I know with their, there we were focusing on some personal lessons from those, those you have met and known and then if we kind of widen out the lens to individuals who you may not have met in person, but you've consumed some of their lessons, whether through books, they have video, maybe they have a podcast or something of the sort, some kind of medium that you are still able to take in what they had for lessons from afar, who would you say and consider are your Bigfoots from afar? That's a good question. I would say they've all been dependent on what is going on in my life at that time. And so what I mean by that is, is going back to the, the, really the first answer that I gave you on adopting a a mind, any sort of mindfulness practice and that's know your why, right? Mm -hmm. It's like when I was younger, I, I would read because somebody would recommend a book to me. Somebody that was a mentor or somebody would recommend a book and I'd pick it up and I'd read it. And now I'm reading more with intention, right? And so I think the reason I say that is I think, you know, the, the ones that have impacted me have, have, may not be the ones that would impact a listener right now. They would, you know, but they were impactful for me at that moment 
uh, in time. And I think, um, you know, I, there's, God, there's so many, I guess when I, you know, uh, I'll give a few examples from different times in my life. Uh, and a lot of them are books. I, I mean, I've read, I've read quite, quite a few books, uh, over the past several years. And I think starting out, uh, number one would be Jim Rohn and Jim Rohn was a, uh, business leader, philosopher, coach that, um, was really influential in the eighties and the nineties. And I'm not that old, but he was, I got exposed to his work, uh, actually after he had already, uh, after he had already transitioned. And so, uh, he was, he was actually Tony Robbins first mentor. And so a lot of Tony Robbins philosophy actually comes from Jim Rohn and which I didn't actually, I didn't even know at the time. Um, but, uh, he was, he was number one. He's got some awesome, awesome books. Jim Rohn, uh, a guy by the name of Darren Hardy, uh, was really influential at a point in time for me. Um, there's some, John Maxwell was also very influential for me. Uh, John Wooden, his books were influential. Uh, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski from Duke, his books were uh, more recently, I got, I'd say I started out more on the leadership realm and now I've moved a lot more of my, of that space in my life to the, the spiritual realm, I guess you could say. Uh, so I've read a lot of, um, Osho, Michael Singer, um, Gary Renard is another author and, a self-study practice called A Course in Miracles has had a, had a huge impact on me. Cool. I appreciate you sharing those different examples. And I commend you on getting to that realization of like seeing where you are at for reading more with intention because person I feel like it's not always an easy journey to do that and I when I was growing up I wanted to see how many books I could get through and trying to shift more to that reading with intention isn't always easy I do from feel that yeah, it pays dividends going down, especially just as another way of meeting yourself where you are at in the moment for what, what content would be relevant, applicable, and able to be put into use. Yeah. I mean, I think it also depends on what you're reading too, because some stuff you just keep getting at a deeper level. I mean, mm -hmm. I've read the I've only read about eight eight books, eight or nine books since March of 2020. But five of those books I've probably read four or five, six times. Mm -hmm. So I've read, you know, I, there's one book that I've read reread every couple of months for the last 18 months because it's a it's it's super relevant for me right now, just really dealing with everything that's going on. And, um, I keep getting it at a deeper level. I keep understanding it at a deeper level, right? It's like, 
we can't, you'd never tell an athlete, Oh, go, go shoot a hundred free throws. And you're going to shoot 95% from the three or from the free throw line. Right. It's no, you have to, you have to fall in love with the repetition. You have to, to repeat it until you no longer need to even think about it. Right. Till you default to the mm-hmm. level of your training, regardless of your circumstances. And so I look at it kind of from that perspective, it's like, okay, this might not be as enjoyable as reading something new, but I'm, I'm continuing to practice the thought system as I continue to keep reading the books. And, um, I think it's been, it's been what I've needed to do during this time for me. And I think, uh, that's another key thing too, is five years ago, that was not what I needed to do at that time for me. I needed to read a book and then go on to the next one, the next one, the next one. Right. And I think the key, the self-awareness to know what you need in that moment in time to help you get to that next level, uh, whatever that is for you. Very nice. And yeah, again, seeing how prevalent self-awareness is and instrumental for any area of our life. And in this case with reading and going forward with that in mind as the approach and such. Very cool. Well, the next few questions are ones that I am always curious about sprinkling a little bit of creativity into them and with keeping in mind, still using the term Bigfoot, but this time thinking in terms of different characters, movies, shows, any kinds of stories that you have taken in that, whether it's a certain character or an overall lesson from the story stuck out to you what would you consider as some fictional Bigfoots for your own life? Well, they're not really, well, some of them are fictional, I guess. The first one would be, there are some, so when I was a kid, I used to watch this movie all the time called The Birth of a Legend. And it was the, it was a movie about the story of uh, Pete Maravich. And he was essentially like, nobody really knows who he is right now. Pistol Pete. Yeah, Pistol Pete, right? Pistol Pete was essentially Steph Curry before Steph Curry. And they, this, this movie was built around kind of his, uh, his childhood and his dad coaching him. And, and it was kind of wild. I don't, I can't pinpoint any specific teaching points, but I do remember I was, coaching my the first bass pretty much the first basketball team that I had was had ever coached I think I was 24 years old it was a club basketball program that I put together I had all the kids over at my house and for some reason I don't know why I even had the movie uh, but we put the it had it on a DVD and we put the movie in and it's horrible it's like it's it's the way the production value of the movie is like I mean they probably made it for like five hundred dollars horrible but I could not believe the, the lessons that were in the movie that I was trying to still instill uh, in these kids 15 years later. I probably hadn't seen the movie in 15 years, right? 
But um, that was that was one movie that definitely had an impact on me for sure. The Birth of a Legend. Um, I'm trying to think of any other. You know, really, it was. I'm thinking about from like when I was a kid. Uh, I think it's really important to watch movies uh, where there's a somebody that you can aspire to in them. Um, these aren't, again, these aren't like fictional movies, but I used to watch Michael Jordan's Playground and uh, Hoop Dreams with the profile of these two kids from Chicago, Arthur Agee and uh, William Gates, and their, their kind of their high school journey. And um, just really you know, finding, finding the people that inspire you, inspire you to aspire to where they are at. I think that's, that's really important. That's a great way of putting it and a way to kind of look forward when, whether someone's about to watch a movie in the future and keep in mind and be intentional and see where they can find those different stories and such that have those inspirational characters that can push the person who's watching it or and or reading it to go to that next level whatever that may be yeah, you know, and I think like I'll throw in a little caveat here. Like, I don't, I don't watch, I watch movies and shows for entertainment, and I read to learn. I read for education, and uh, I think you know. But there's also like th- there's kind of a way to balance some of that. And, and where I'm going with this is like I think it's really important to study outside of your space, study outside of your, your industry. You know, when I was uh, probably, you know, when I first started coaching, coaching basketball, I did read books by other coaches, probably the first few years I read, um, read Rick Pitino and um, John Wooden and coach Kane, some of these other guys that I had mentioned before, but I also spent I would say I spent a majority of the time actually reading on people outside of topics outside of the basketball world. I would read books on, on marketing and creativity and art and leaders from the business space, right? Because I knew it was going to get me outside of this, this kind of box that I was in in the basketball world and get me to maybe think differently about something that was going on in my world, but then I could approach it differently than somebody else would in it. And so I think that's really important to do. I, yeah, I would agree with that. And I like that you brought that up because you never know at times where you can transfer something from one domain of life, whether that's basketball marketing business the orchestra or whatnot that there could be those ways to bring in elements to where you're at for that other domain and transfer those skills and or in this 
in this case, more so like transfer that knowledge in a refreshing out of the box way to help even more continue to learn where you're working to learn. So I like that. Cool. Well, want to be mindful of time and check in with nearing some of the final questions here and reflecting on your life, your experiences and things that you have learned in your own time and journey. If you had the opportunity to change or add your own definition of learning in the dictionary to have a, its own, there's a Mike Lee flavored definition of learning in the dictionary. How would you define learning? I don't even know what the definition of learning is. So I don't know if I'm qualified to answer the question. I think I think I mean I I would def, I I would add I would differ here's what I would do is I would differentiate uh, learning from achieving. Mm. And I think lots of us go into learning in order to achieve, which is a path, right? There is no, there is no journey without having a destination in mind, but I think going into it from, from the sake of learning for learning and completely detaching from the outcomes, just trusting that whatever is going to unfold is going to unfold. And that's going to be the next thing that you have to learn. Uh, really would be would be key, right? To go into learning fully detached from whatever you think that you need to achieve. A little bit of trusting the process of learning instead of that focus on the end outcome for it. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's like so many people say, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. But implied in that is trust the process and be completely attached to that outcome. Right. And I think there Mm -hmm. is, you know, there is power in that, right. There's an emotional trigger that happens when you are attached to an end result. But at the same time, like there's a difference between being, uh, being tough and being stupid. There's a difference between sticking something out and not being very smart about something, right? Right. Maybe it's just not the right thing for you. And it's okay to throw in the towel on that project because the quicker you learn that, the quicker you can adapt and the quicker that you can move on to something that Mm -hmm. might be more beneficial for you, right? And that's a tough line to balance. But I think, you know, when we're talking about trusting the process, like trust the process but also trust that it might look completely different than you imagined. That isn't an easy truth to embrace, but something that's certainly necessary to acknowledge and take on in. So thank you for shedding some light on there. And as we wrap up, Mike, do you have any 
final thoughts that you would like to leave with the listeners? Yeah, a couple things. I guess number one is, you know, trust, trust in your journey and trust yourself. Um, you know, we, we live in this world of comparison and like I kind of talked about earlier with the, the decision that my great, great, great grandparents made 700 years ago, right? We're all, we're all born into this, you know, I think there's a misconception that we're born into this, into this life with a clean slate. And I don't believe that. I think there, there are so many different forces and things that, uh, are, are that shape our lives and that impacts, uh, what you, what you're able to do. And, and I guess, you know, where I'm going with this and I'll just be fully transparent with you. Like the last, the last couple of months, uh, the last couple of months I've been in and out of some pretty deep depressive states and I've, I battled with depression my whole life. The reason I say that is I know that I'm not fully living up to my potential. I'm, you know, I've, I've been over the past couple of months in and out of, of days where I'm working at, you know, maybe 20% productivity. And I just can't get anything else done. And it's just not. And so, so where I'm going with this is like somebody else that might be going after some of the same things that I am is not dealing with the same internal battles and they have more energy. They have more focus. They have all these things. They're not battling all the, the things that come with dealing with depression. And if I'm in a place where I'm comparing myself to what they're putting out in the world. Like if you go look at my Instagram feed right now, I have not posted a whole lot in the last like month. And that's a big part to, due to what I've been kind of going through. And so, and, and I will, I will be there and I will be in that state of, you know, of comparison to some other people that are in my space. Like this dude's posting three times a day and he's doing this and he's doing this. And I'm like, I can't even get out of bed. And so I think there's, you know, to, to trust the, that, that journey that you are on and, and trust that the things that you are going through, you will learn things that you are uniquely suited to overcome and then be able to teach somebody else. Thank you for sharing that and sharing about your life and all the different kinds of experiences and mindfulness over the course of this episode. Mike, if people would like to learn more about your work and see what they can continue to learn from what you do, how can people reach you? Yeah, best places uh, probably on social at who is Mike Lee on Instagram and on LinkedIn. All right. Thank you again, Mike, for joining on. And to everyone who's listening, go out there, continue to learn, 
trust the process while detaching from those end results and embrace those waves of the journey of life. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you are still listening, now you're at the post-episode reflection part of the episode, making note of anything from the process of putting together the episode that stood out. There are two things I'm going to touch on very briefly. First, it was great being able to talk with Mike about mindfulness, learning, and life in general. The conversation ended up being a little under an hour, which shocked me a bit. I was trying my best to stay in the moment for the interview, and with that, time flew by. I'm grateful to be have had the time and opportunity to be able to make the most of that present moment for then. Now, to tie into the second part is taking in what we've done in the past into the present. Now, what does that mean? Well, when you're working on something and you see when you're reflecting back on it, different areas for potential growth and feedback, whether you're reviewing game film, you have someone check over a paper, or you have a business presentation that you want to get down pat, that for each of those, you have the different You have feedback to learn from. Now, feedback is great to learn from and something to be cautious with in terms of how you manage feedback after taking in that feedback. What I mean by there is where when you're taking in those potential areas for growth is your mind going? Is it fixating on that mistake or stumble or whatnot that happened in the past and now you're taking out of the present moment? If so, I encourage you to keep in mind a lens of mindfulness with a detachment from results while working on the process of the journey and keeping in mind self-acceptance and self-compassion for where those areas for growth and improvement lie. In those areas and with those aspects in mind, 
from what Mike shared in this episode. Each of those are ways to still stay in the present, utilize what's used in the past into the present, and then to continue doing so with each moment moving forward. Again, thank you for listening, and until next time.